Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the spring of 1983, Till Tuesday transformed from a new band into the winners of Boston's Rock and Rumble competition. After quickly securing a deal with Epic Records, they released their debut album, Voices Carry. Thanks to regular airplay on MTV, the title track rose to number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100. Sadly, this unique band could never again match the success of the song. This week, we're joined by writer, musician, and Amy Mann enthusiast Daniel Corey to discuss why we believe Till Tuesday's voices should have carried them much higher up on the charts. Guys, I'm going to ask you right off the start here. Is it weird that I wasn't familiar with this song before today? Because I think everyone I talked to are like, yeah, Voices Carry till Tuesday. Of course, I know that song. Why did I miss this song? You, you didn't know it until just now? I didn't like, know it until I... getting ready for this episode. My goodness. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I think I told you this, Chris, that I only 
vaguely knew this album because another band covered it on like an 80s comp uh-huh. that I bought. Like I was, this one missed me as well somehow. Now I know that one thing that it could be is that this song came out at a pretty stacked time on the charts in the mm-hmm. 80s. Maybe we just missed out on it. Or it could also just be that like the lead singer's future solo endeavors <laughs> <Yes>. greatly outshined <laughs> yeah, the band. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> um, but I mean, we'll, we normally do this later on in the episode, but just so we can paint a picture, what what was mm-hmm. the world like when Till Tuesday, Voices Carry was at the <laughs> top of everybody's minds? Uh, it peaked at its highest position of number eight on the Hot 100 on July 13th, 1985. Let's run down what was also on that top 10 list real quick. Number 10, Cindy Lauper, Goonies Are Good Enough. Wow, I never <laughs> knew that song. was a top 10 song. There we yeah. go. That's a good one. Number nine, yeah. Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. All right. Another big one. <laughs> then this song at eight. Seven, You Give Good Love by Whitney Houston. Number six, Paul Young's cover of Hall & Oates, Every Time You Go Away. Right. Oh, I, I just heard that the other day. <laughs> Great song. I, I feel like I remembered that song. I used to love that song as a kid. Forgot the song existed, and then it was hold music one time, and I was like, "Man, yeah. this song oh, there you go. <laughs> it's perfect hold music." Why do you think the Eagles have the top uh, playing uh, you know, selling album of all time now? Yeah. It's because all that hold music in yeah. dentist office. Yeah, you know? anytime yeah. you call somewhere, you're here in Desperado, and you're like, "I should pick up that Eagles greatest hits record." <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Number five, the the Arrhythmics with "Would I Lie to You." Oh my goodness! Number four, Survivor with "The Search Is Over," <laughs> and then this top three, I love. Number three, Raspberry Beret by Prince. Oh, yeah. Number two, <laughs> Sue Sue Studio, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Yeah. And the number one song, the theme of the James Bond movie of that year, A View to Kill by Duran Duran. Okay. Oh, my gosh. There was, that, that is, there is a lot. Yeah. yeah it's a lot, a lot to compete against as like a yeah. kind of newish new wave band. And this is a band that one of the things that blew me away was they won Boston's Rock and Roll Rumble. After Mm -hmm. being a band for six months, and that led to them basically getting signed from that moment. So it's not even like they were this this band that was like in the trenches for years. Like it was just the right people Mm -hmm. combining and writing the right songs, and just like all of the right things happened (laughs) to jumpstart this band. How do I get in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I don't know if this is true. This is what. This is what Matt told me ahead of time that you're a major Amy manhead. Is this true? Uh, yeah, I love Amy. Yeah, yeah I, I, he's a uh, I he's an Amy mani- maniac. Uh, oh, oh, there you go. There you go. I like that. Yeah, I know. I listen to all of her albums. I I love her. I've I've seen her twice. I got this. I've seen her twice at the Greek yeah, here in Los Angeles. Nice. Um, and absolutely, uh, I love her songwriting. I love her. Yeah, everything about what she does. Yeah. Yeah. Getting ready for this episode, I really learned a lot about Amy Mann that I did not know. Oh yeah. Starting from the time when she was very, very young, and was kidnapped by her own mother and taken. To I only Europe. learned that too when I was researching for this as well. That that story I didn't know. She was apparently like three. They took yeah. her to took her off to Europe, and her father had to hire a private eye to bring her back. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty wild. And uh, so she got brought back to her father. But at that time, she had been with her mother who took her for so long that she felt like a stranger because she came home and uh, to a new stepmother and two stepbrothers. And uh, she said it seemed strange after being uh, reunited. And then 
this is, I mean, one thing obviously I noticed about Amy in these till Tuesday music videos is she's a bassist and she's a very good bassist, which yeah. you know, I appreciate a good bassist, but mm-hmm. I saw that at age 12, she told her family she wanted to play bass and her family ridiculed her saying it was unladylike. So she didn't take up the bass <laughs> till later. I didn't know playing bass was unladylike. That's the kind of stuff they'd say the girls in the eighties, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I started off playing, um, my first instrument was a saxophone in the fourth grade. I played in the school band and looking back, something I always, there's a lot of, uh, gender lines drawn mm-hmm. in the band room and just the music in general. Like, when you, when you're in the when you're in school band, at least in the '80s, when I was a kid, it was like girls played woodwinds, girls played clarinet, and they played flute. Right, and uh, they were allowed to play the piano, and like they always needed a pianist at church. It was always a girl at the piano. You know, never, I, you know. I, I, now I I went to church and I took piano lessons, and I would I would I would play the piano in, in front of church, and everybody's like, oh, "What is going on? <laughs> yeah, who's this boy? Burn him!" <laughs> I, I know, I know, no, but like I and I remember this is one um this one family. The mom comes up, she's like. She's like our our boy Jay is he, he's 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 learning piano. Do you think you, you would be able to get up and play in front of the church again so you can see a boy play piano? Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I know it's crazy. But all that to say, you know, like boys play trumpet and saxophone and drugs. Right. You know, <laughs> so there, there's a weird thing with music. I don't know what it is. Like yeah, playing the bass and even playing guitar. It, like for girls, it's you know back then I I, I never I never knew a girl guitarist. Now I love living here in L.A. There's a ton of girl guitarists everywhere. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. No. That, yeah. So I guess when I think about it, there's Esperanza Spalding. I'm trying to think of like woman bass players. Uh, you know, Kelly Deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Deal played bass in the Breeders, right? I'm just Kim, trying to think of like Kim Deal. Fe- Kim Deal. What Kim played? Yeah, it's Kel- Kelly or Kim? One of them. I don't, I'm not sure which. Who played one. guitar? And who Kim played Deal bass. was. The I haven't seen them on MTV in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got. I haven't paid attention. Um, yeah. I mean, then you've got just like the all-girl groups too. So sure. you know, Go Go's Bangles. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. Somebody but, was playing yeah. bass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah somebody. It's a. Uh, um, it's a, a a big thing now. All female cover bands. You guys mm-hmm. seen any of them perform? I remember there was there was one at the Nam show a couple of years ago that an Aerosmith band. They were called Ragdolls. They're yeah. awesome. I yeah. I yeah, think one like of my thing fa- now. one of my favorite tribute names is the all female ACDC cover band called ACDC, um, which is <laughs> <laughs> such a good name. Yeah, um, I love but, it. Well, anyway, Amy Mann eventually <laughs> went on to study bass at Berkeley. And someone else who studied bass at Berkeley, who you would never think would. Do you know who I'm going to say, Matt? No. Somebody that you don't really think of with music. Eric Andre studied bass oh. at Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a strange fact just there. Comedian, uh, comedian yeah. Eric Andre. Yeah, yeah, I do not associate oh. him with music. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, anyway, she dropped out of Berkeley after 18 months. She joined the Boston punk band Young Snakes on the bass. She was unhappy in that band, and uh, she said that the other members of the band objected to her writing love songs or music they considered too melodic, which I don't know. What makes music too melodic? Isn't melody like probably the most important part of music? I would say yeah. that saying something's too melodic is the most '80s punk band thing I can imagine somebody say. <laughs> like, like that's yeah. like that's like a. I I mean I didn't get to check out what that band was. I don't even know if there's any recordings that like exist to give us a hint. But just based on them saying this is too melodic, I, it either was probably like 
Sonic Youth inspired noise rock, or it was like DC mm. hardcore expar- yeah. inspired stuff, where it's just like you just play fast and yell, and it's about the passion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's like you know, you guys, you remember Rancid? Uh, of you course, know, they they they're very so melodic. So you know? melodic. <laughs> I, I, I interviewed um, for a magazine, uh, Molly Tuttle is a famous bluegrass guitarist and singer. Love and she covered Molly Tuttle. She did yeah, the she, best cover of um, yeah. uh, Olympia Washington. That's she does an incredible yes. cover. Chris, have you heard this? Yes, I have. Yep. And I had that discussion with her. I was like, Rancid, I mean, they wrote pop songs. I mean, yeah. it's, it's this song was like, sounds like it was written for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, she's not an absolutely perfect It's one of my it, favorite but, covers. Yeah. She does a like a very country and bluegrass cover yeah, of but, Olympia Washington. By mm-hmm. Rancid, it's great. I might I'll put a I'll put a little clip in here for the uh, the listeners to check out. All that to say that uh, punk music should be melodic too. Yes. And Amy, Amy had it going, yeah. had it going on. <laughs> I mean, my point is if someone said to me, write a song that isn't melodic right now, I'd be like, I don't even know how to do that. Everything is a melody, <laughs> even if it's a basic <laughs> melody. It's like, how do you do that? Yeah. I don't understand. So don't anyway, yeah, like even didn't that's know what they were talking we- about. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was gonna say, Chris, yeah. you and I were texting about the Ramones, right? And you, if you look at the Ramones as early punk, even that's like Da 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 da. Like that's yeah, a melody. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then after she left Young Snakes, she joined Ministry, and man, oh man, did I learn a lot about Ministry <laughs> I did not know because I had no idea. <laughs> I, I knew Ministry as Jesus built my hot rod slash New yeah. World Order from the '90s. At some point, from I had butt, a Beavis and Butthead. Yes. <laughs> At some point, there was a T. Is this a Christian band? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a store in the mall called beer tees in the mall I would go to as a kid. And it wasn't just beer tees. It was band t-shirts. So I would just try to get every band t-shirt. I had a ministry. Are you from Florida too? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a ministry t-shirt. I think of the engine. I think yes. of that engine. Jesus built my hot yes. rod. You know? That's what was on the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. That's what was yeah, on the T-shirt. Yeah, that's that's what you got. I knew I knew that was the one. But Al Jorgensen, I think of as this like long-haired, dirty, industrial guy from the '90s. Well, mm-hmm. ministry in the early '80s was very new wave, and it doesn't look like the Almost same. Almost like soft cell or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and very much different than the ministry that I knew from the '90s. And for a short while, Amy Mann was a part of ministry, and not only that. She dated Al Jorgensen for a while. Oh. And and oddly, she fit way better into ministry band yeah. at that time than than <laughs> this other one. Right. Who would ever thought she'd been a good fit in ministry, but there you go. Yeah. But Amy obviously had something to say, and she had songs to get out of her because she formed Till Tuesday, you know, after playing these bands, and by 1985 was signed to Epic and released the album Voices Carry, their debut album. Uh, and they went on to win the VMA for Best New Artist. And Did you see who they were up against? No. I wrote, okay, so I wrote this down. Uh, so they, they won the Best New Artist Award. They were up against Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Julian mm. Lennon, mm. Uh, 
Sade. Yeah. And Sheila E. Sheila E. Sheila E. Yeah, yeah Sheila E. Who yeah. I'm not familiar with. Pr- um, one of Prince's proteges. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. the thing that I thought was interesting was what kind of got them signed to Epic was the same song that got them noticed on the radio, Love in a Vacuum. And mm-hmm. everybody thought that that was going to be the song. Yeah, that's uh, what they won the competition with, yeah. too. The Boston Every- Band competition, yeah. Everyone thought that that was going to be it. It was very unexpected when the title track, Voices Carry, actually became their runaway hit. Uh, and it was a song written about an argument she had with the drummer of Till Tuesday, who she had uh, briefly dated. And there was a lot of... Con- Did you read about the controversy about the original lyrics of the song? Yeah. Because uh, originally Gender the song... swapped. Yeah, they had mm-hmm. to change it from female pronouns to male pronouns because the label did not like the idea of this possibly being an argument between two women. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the same-sex relationship possibility was wow. was frightening to them. Yeah, 1985. Now, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, I've, I mean, all these stories, there's a lot of the stories that seem to be real fifth hand. Now, I've seen this in an article and I saw, actually, I saw, I saw on Wikipedia and I saw, I watched a podcast on YouTube and um, which it said, Amy has said at some point, yet it's not documented anywhere, um, she was talking to a male friend, they didn't say who, who had a girlfriend that wouldn't let him express affection in public. She didn't want people to know they were dating. Right. And that's why she wrote the song. She wrote the song from a male point of view, talking about a woman, it, you know, it, but who knows, you know, it, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I've heard that a couple of places. Yeah. I've read that a couple of places. So it could have been about a same sex relationship. It could have been about, um, you know, her singing from the male perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, I've said this before. I think we've said it on this show before. Uh, not directly tied to this, but just a pet peeve of mine. If you're a guy and you're covering a song written by a girl, you do not change those pronouns. You get to you get to be gay for the five minutes that's you sing a, that song. That's one of your that's that's a pet peeve of yours. I never knew that. Yeah, I hate it. I uh, hate when people change change it for the song. Just sing the words as they were written. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's odd because you know when uh, a lot of female artists have covered songs by men, and there she goes. Yeah, uh, Sixpence yeah, on the yeah. Richer kept it. There she goes. They didn't change yeah. it. To there he goes. And the, but the, you know, you go back like I think like. Joan Baez did like she, she wants a man with a slow hand or something. I don't remember which one, but there's been a a, hist- a a long history of this, and it's always been okay for these established female artists, yeah, to sing a song written by a man and not change the pronouns. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, she's singing from a male perspective. It's okay. I just never, I, I honestly too, I never got that. I never understood that. And, and and guys would never, yeah, you're right. Men would never be allowed to sing at least back then, yeah, um, a song from a female perspective and not change the pronouns. Everybody would, everybody would lose their minds. Yeah, I don't want to hear. You know? I don't want to hear some edgy screamo band singing about how they're a hollerback boy. If you're going to cover that song, you're a hollerback <laughs> girl for those a three minutes. Is hollerback boy a thing? <laughs> if it's not, maybe it should be. Hey, but- I don't even know what a hollerback girl yeah. is, honestly, but you know, I've heard the song. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, you know? <laughs> look, the thing, though, that I really think helped this song pop. Now, the song is interesting. The song isn't an over-the-top, sugary sort of pop song. It's a song... Mm. Because I wasn't familiar with this, it took me like four or five listens to this song to be like, okay, I like this. It grew on me a lot. The first time I listened mm-hmm. to it, I didn't take a lot away from it. And I don't know if everyone listened. Everyone listens to music differently. But what I think a big point in the corner of this song was was the music video which you can Mm -hmm. watch the music video now and be like oh that's cheesy as hell that's a cheesy 80s music video i think at the time 
it was groundbreaking mm -hmm. because it, yeah, was, it was it was that's what made the song yeah, yeah it made the band yeah yeah the video and it yeah. and it gave a voice to women or at least exhibited what women in a sort of emotional or even at certain point in this video physical physically abusive mm -hmm. uh relationship might go through yeah. and then voices carrying became this whole other thing that I wouldn't have thought of had I not seen the visuals of the music video while listening to it. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. I want to talk a little bit about another big thing with this group. The group's career is kind of short-lived. They put out three albums, and mm -hmm. it was... As far as the charts were considered, it was kind of diminishing returns from this, right? Like they were putting yeah. out albums and they weren't, like the singles weren't hitting, the albums weren't selling, but critically, they just kept getting better in the eyes of the critics. And I believe that Daniel, before we even hit record, told me that he actually prefers the second album by Till Tuesday <laughs> way more than the Voices Carry album. <laughs> I do really like the second album a lot. I, I think they're all they're, they're all really good. But um, you know, there's so the 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 the, the second album is um, is it coming home and uh, 
the opening track, What About Love, was supposed to be the flagship single so and good. it didn't perform. Yeah, and it's a great song. And it, it, it is a little bit more like the previous album with the, the you know, kind of the dreamy guitar sounds and the synth and everything. But when you get my favorite song is the second track on there. It's called Coming Up Close. And I, I don't I don't know if that was there. I don't think that was ever a single or anything, but it's acoustic guitar. You got some twangy um, Telecaster in there. And she even references Bob Dylan, got into the car, put in a, Bob, a Dylan tape, she says, you know, it's so much more like what her future stuff would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's much more folky, you know, uh, production wise, you can still has that 80s kind of thing going. But that album as a whole is a little more a little more folky, I think, uh, you know, that's I why, think I really that's why it's it, so you know? I think that's why they had trouble selling a lot of it, though, is that mm-hmm. they very quickly. I mean, by their second album, they were already kind of shying away from the new wave sound more and more on mm-hmm. each each record, which, you know, is absolutely the type of thing that critics are going to eat up and that fans in that moment might not like. But, you know, revisionistly, people will look yeah. back and be like, oh, these albums are great. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that second album, Welcome Home, came out in 1986. That song, What About Love, was my favorite. I dove deep into the Till Tuesday catalog. That song, which is the first single and the first track on the album, uh, that is my favorite song by far. Instantly added it to my playlist of songs I listen to all the time. I think we also got to talk a little bit about Amy Mann's iconic look in yeah. the 80s, which I would have never known in a million years that was her. She has mm-hmm. big, wild hair with one long braid coming out of it. She looks very punk rock in, in these videos, yeah. in which her <laughs> in the video for Voices Carrie is one of the things that her asshole abusive boyfriend <laughs> <Yes>. says to her <laughs> yeah. in the dialogue over top of it. Uh, he is this the new image <laughs> or something? Yeah, it's like so glad the band's doing well. Right? <laughs> What's with the hair? Is that the, or something yeah. like that? It's, it's at the very beginning of the video, yep. and you're just like right out of the gate, like, oh, there's no question of whether or not I like this guy. You right. know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no redeeming qualities yeah. of this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just <laughs> awful. Uh, and also, yeah, he's also just prototypical '80s guy, yeah, right? right? You know, if you look at like they they at that time they identified what the 80s guy was right. you know and it's like if you think of it's like hart bachner i think his name is uh from die hard <laughs> okay um, that guy who's like snorting coke <laughs> off his desk right. like hey man i can make a deal i'll get the guy for you you know that's like prototypical 80s guy right. that's what this guy is in the till tuesday video well, Dan, um, you know daniel i want to also let you know i'm looking at their wikipedia right now mm-hmm. and coming up close was the second single off of welcome home it, okay. it did terribly. It, it peaked yeah. at 59 on the Billboard charts. Mm. But I think that you're not alone in loving that song because mm. their greatest hits compilation is called Coming Up Close, a retrospective oh. of Till Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> so that ironic. may be a favorite yeah. of the band <laughs> to, to want to name their greatest hits after. Yeah, Because that's rare to name your greatest hits compilation after one of your lowest performing singles. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it has it has a special meaning, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting. They, they did have a, a new wave styling to them. You know, there was something. It's a touch of it, you know. And that's the thing about Voices Carry. It's a very odd song. It Like, when you, you hear just the opening, just the first four bars, it's this crunchy guitar. It's kind of rock, mm-hmm. you know. It's a soft... It's a soft, mellow beat, but you got a rock and roll element to the song. Ching, 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 the power chords. And then you have the keyboard comes in. Wow, 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 wow. That, there's your new wave part, you yeah. know. Her voice is just, I don't, you know, it's just, you know, this female bass alto. It doesn't, she didn't sound like anything. You can't say, 
what that brings. It brings Amy Mann to the song. That mm-hmm. she's her own genre, you know. Right. So the song, that song was such an odd blend. Um, it just hit just right. It hit the right time. It had the exactly the right sound, the exact blend of elements. The the new wave people are like, oh, there's some new wave in there. I can listen to this. Mm-hmm. The rock people are like, oh, there's some rock in there. I can listen to this. You know, pop fans, it's it's definitely a pop song too. Yeah. Um, it just hit, and then it just like all these other excellent songs they had just didn't hit because it didn't have. I don't know. They didn't have that right combination. Like the, 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 the one that was supposed love in a vacuum, mm-hmm. the one that was supposed to be, that's a good song yeah. too. You know, it's, and it's way more, it's a little more eighties pop sounding even than voices carry is. I think mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Sometimes things just don't land. You know, you think about like, um, uh, you know, if you, if you know, if you hang out with me long enough, you're uh, about uh, five minutes in conversation, you end up talking about Blade Runner, Blade Runner, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing. Why, why was Blade Runner a flop? And now it's this iconic, you know, legendary movie, you know, it just, it didn't land right. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes being and, in the middle of different genres of music, mm-hmm. if you don't go too hard in one of those areas, I think I've maybe experienced mm-hmm. this a little bit in my own music career is if you don't, if you don't commit too hard to one thing, then I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but Hey, it worked out enough for till Tuesday, considering they did have a hit. I'm sure there were, you know, 10,000 new wave bands uh, that had no hits. So they did have Mm -hmm. a hit and they had it pretty quick considering they had only been a band for whatever, six months before they played this battle of the bands in Boston and ended up getting signed. Mm-hmm. It all happened very fast for them. And but it also burned out really fast too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like I think right. the whole bands overall three albums was like a five year career. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they put out their third and final album. Uh, everything's different now in 1988. And I don't even think they went on tour for it. I think they broke up pretty mm. soon after that oh, release. Um, yeah. Now, Amy Mann, still continued to tour under the name Till Tuesday with some session musicians, mm-hmm. uh, including John Bryan as her yeah. touring guitarist. But that was because there was apparently some legal issue with Epic that was keeping her from being able to put out solo records for a little bit. Yeah, so, it, took, it took like three years or something for the for her to get free of that contract so she could do solo. And then her first her solo album was like in like 93, I think. Yep. Whatever yeah. her first solo album came out in 1993. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just, I just want to throw out that from the, the third album, the song that I really like is called Believed You Were Lucky. That is a very terse, like very ironic, lots of irony, lots of sarcasm. And there's a very unexpected F bomb that happens <laughs> at the end of the song where you're just like, whoa, they didn't do that on a Till Tuesday record. They didn't do that on a pop album from the 80s. But it has it. meaning. You're just, it, you know, it brings a sarcasm to the statement. Nice. You're one. Okay. So I, as soon as you started talking about that, I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You were like bringing a memory back into my head. Cause yeah, I was listening to Till Tuesday and I was like doing dishes. <laughs> and I remember out of nowhere, there was just, I just hear her go like, you're fucking lucky and i was like yeah yeah yeah. it's like what (laughs) it felt it felt like both super out of place but also like it grabbed my attention like whatever was like background music suddenly i was like wait i have to listen to the song again to make sure that i didn't like misunderstand what i think i just heard because it's not what you expect for the song yeah it's um yeah it really just it really just punches you in the face because uh, the point she's making with that song, she's like, Oh, you were lucky. You were so great. You were so effing great. Yeah. You know, it's just so sarcastic. 
so, and something I'll say about her music overall, like my wife and I were talking about this the other day, like when I've seen her and she talks to the audience, she always goes on about how depressing she is, how depressing her songs are. Yeah, I'm gonna, my songs are so depressing. Everything's depressing. But like the thing is, like I don't get depressed listening to her music. And I'm like, I, I said to, to Brenda, my wife, I'm like, what? I mean, her stuff's melancholy and it's sad, but I don't get depressed listening to it. And she's like, well, she's like an adult. She she takes responsibility for whatever, whatever it is she's take, talking about in whatever song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like, oh, my soul is dark and I'm so sad. It's like, well, here's kind of why. Right. Maybe I'm yeah. a little at fault. Maybe you're a little at fault. There's always this nuanced, like mature discussion. And I think that's why, you know, I, I think it's okay. She can be melancholy all day and I could still listen to it because I'm, uh, you know, it's, there's always a sense of responsibility. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like Amy Mann became one of these people where, I feel like I knew the name Amy Mann more than I knew the music of Amy Mann. Mm-hmm. Like it was a name. It, like I feel like she became a real like musician's musician. Like mm-hmm. you would hear other artists talk about how inspired they were yeah. by the music of Amy Mann. Cause I, I assume the biggest song that most people would know by her solo wise would be save me from the Magnolia, Magnolia soundtrack yeah. because yeah. it was like that's how I everywhere. That's how I yeah. knew her. Yeah. That's how yeah. I yeah. Like yeah. Her. It brought her back into the limelight, you know, and that was a 1999, yeah. um, you know, and that was, you know, 14 years later. Uh, and you know, she's, and I'm sure you guys all, all seen the quote too, about how she said that really gave her transfusion to her career. Yeah. Um, that whole movie, uh, for, for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, it's Magnolia, uh, but it's a directed, um, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Um, so, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, he might be like kind of the next Robert Altman, maybe, you know, he's like this, uh, this guy who does very original stuff with everybody wants to be in his movies. And like Magnolia was this three hour epic, just character study type film. And the movie was kind of, kind of, was based on, it was almost a concept film based on the, 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 the music and lyrics of Amy Mann. And she's all over the soundtrack. Um, and And I feel uh, like similar to Altman, very divisive movies mm-hmm. people either absolutely yeah. love it or absolutely oh, hate it every PTA, single time though he made i mean he's your favorite because he well, made boogie nights yeah boogie nights <laughs> is my favorite and i know that that's not the cool one to say is your favorite oh you know my favorites there will be blood or my favorites uh uh that licorice pizza that's definitely not my favorite but no uh, <laughs> punch drunk love might be my favorite punch of his, drunk love but... was all right um <laughs> but uh yeah that definitely gave her uh, a big kick in her career and i can't believe it's the same person once again i want to take it back to the 80s amy man i texted mm-hmm. matt as soon as i saw this that video for what about love she looks exactly and i, I saw someone else this was a topic on reddit someone had written this <laughs> and I, so i wasn't the first person to think this she looks exactly like saturday night live alumni kate mckinnon she looks exactly <laughs> like her <laughs> even on the cover of that one album she looks i'm like oh my god that's kate mckinnon it looks exactly yeah. i'm sure I'm not. Th- I wouldn't be the first person to tell her that. She reminds me of Daryl Hannah a bit. Okay, uh, but then again, oh, that's, the, that's that. the Blade Runner mind, yeah, I guess. I see that uh, too. Of mine, so, but yeah, because so, like you think of Daryl Hannah with it, as Pris with that. She had the the '80s blonde moppy wig yeah. and those, yeah, like the hair style that the guy complained about in the <laughs> Till Tuesday video. Yeah. So I do love this real quick. The song "Save Me," the original, the original solo song from Amy Man. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Um, but then it lost to Phil Collins, You'll Be in My Heart, from the movie Tarzan. And uh. since that day, <laughs> whenever she is performing the song live, she always refers to the song as 
the song that lost an Oscar to Phil Collins and his cartoon monkey love song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's up against Phil Collins and Disney. That's a formidable. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you're going to lose that fight. They're going to put more money into the, uh, yeah, into I the know. Race. I know. I mean, it's a nice song. I'm not going to say, I, 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 I'm going to say, I like Phil Collins. Okay. He's a great vocalist and yeah. all this, but, um, you know, I've learned to like, since I've become a recording artist myself, I'm like, you know what? Everybody's got something. Yeah. Also, anybody, you know, everybody's got something to offer. Yeah. Also, but, um, also up yeah. uh, for that particular year, it was the year that was 1999. It was the 27th, or sorry, the 72nd, dyslexia kicking in there, uh, 72nd Academy Awards. Other nominees included uh, Music of My Heart, as performed by Gloria Estefan and NSYNC, When She Loved Me by Randy Newman uh, from Toy Story 2, and Blame Canada by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Wow. Um, I remember that, which, I remember that performance. Robin, I remember that performance. Robin Williams, Robin Williams yeah. sang the song on stage for them. Uh, yeah. And it was great. <laughs> it's interesting. Cause I didn't even realize that was, I didn't remember that that was the same year, the Robin Williams performance. Uh, I, I, I always, I remember the Phil Collins and the Amy Mann, um, you know, him because he won and her because she's the one I wanted to win. You know? Yeah. And, um, and I'll throw out another, another tidbit, like her, her Twitter bio for a while said, Academy Award loser. Period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Love that. Again, there's that. It's that kind of terse, melancholy, but kind of like yeah, owning up. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I, I was nominated, but I lost. Yeah, going to be dating myself here, but that was the year I got married, so it was a great year. Wow, nice. there it yeah. goes. Very nice. 1999 well, I, was the best year in Daniel's life, possibly. Daniel's always partying <laughs> like it's 1999. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, we know Raspberry Berets. We're all about 1999. Yeah, right. That's true. But, um, that's true. Hey, did you guys? <laughs> but, yeah. Did you guys see that? Speaking of Amy Mann having a sense of humor about everything and, and whatever, that in 2012, the music video for her song Labrador is a shot-for-shot shot remake of yes. the Voices Carrie uh, music video with has John Hamm is in it. He's playing the director of the video. She's acting like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Uh, and John Worcester yeah. is plays the, you know, the, the weird boyfriend in the video. I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> to remake, yeah. you know, however many, 25, tw- more than that, years later, remake uh, your own music video. Thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that was uh, kind of owning. She's got and kind of taking a little ownership, take yeah. back maybe. You know, she's like, oh, I, I didn't talked about this for a while. Let's address this. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, no, but, that's you know, really funny. That, <laughs> something I didn't realize um, was she did a new version of um, Voices Carry mm-hmm. 2005 for the 20th anniversary. Like, because like when I've seen her, she's never touched any till Tuesday. The two times I've seen her, she never played any till Tuesday music, and I thought, oh, she's just put that behind her, but. She did do uh, do recording, and um, I, on YouTube there are um, there are you can see her play it live. Like the first time I saw her was in 2017. She was on tour with Jason Isbell, and there's a um, really nice video of 2017 of her in a in a church doing a concert, and she she sings a, a, this all acoustic version it. of Voices Carry. Oh yeah, yeah it's magical, yeah, right? <laughs> you just like the the acoustic guitars, just like that that wall of sound, and the piano just lilting over it, and her beautiful i i just kind of got you know the movie the song always always had kind of this almost transcendental trance like quality to it anyway you know mm-hmm. especially when you get to the end when you have her and you have all the descant voices singing over her at the end and then she starts chanting like kind of singing really hard when she's that's when she stands up in the video yeah but like that <laughs> whole part with the, the that wash of voices that that's really nice production yeah it's got it just lulls you into a trance and this the the, the acoustic version is the same it's just like 
really lulls lulls you into this state of really okay i'm here i'm listening right it makes you know? me think of and i don't think that this is the case with amy mann and and the guys from till tuesday but maybe it is uh i think of uh a 90s group that i love soul coughing uh they put out these oh i love them yes yeah, they put out their Gowdy, th- yeah yeah they put out their three albums and then they broke up and it was not a very clean breakup there was a lot of uh, according to Mike, anyway, uh, a lot of stolen money and and a lot of bad contracts and a lot of bad blood. Bad blood, yeah. And that made him never want to perform those songs live again. And it was like something like twenty years later, put out an album of him redoing his favorite soul coughing songs the way he performs now. That was uh-huh. like more stripped down and more like acoustic and bassy and stuff like that. As a as like kind of a way to be like, all right. I I'm not going to perform these the way that you know them because that's not the artist I am anymore. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming to my show and you want to hear soul coughing songs, this is probably going to be the way that you'll hear it because I'm mostly a guy with an acoustic guitar now and I can't do these like sample yeah. heavy bass groove songs solo anymore. So here's like the reinterpretation. So I wonder if that was an element of it too with voice carry was just like the songs weren't always going to translate but like this song means something to people and if they're coming to see me live expecting to hear it mm-hmm. let me re let me reorganize it in a way that makes sense with the rest of my set so it doesn't stick mm-hmm. out like a sore thumb when it shows up in the middle of the set before we decide if it's thunder or blunder uh one thing i thought was really funny so bringing it back to ministry al jorgensen mm-hmm. from ministry he claimed that Amy Mann told him that Voices Carry was written about him. And here's what he said. Do you want to claim that? Yeah. Here, here's what <laughs> yeah, he said right. about it. He said, the only good thing about being in Boston was hooking up with Amy Mann. She split her time between her place and mine where she was living with another guy. What we had was so much more than just a fling, and we've stayed in touch over the years. She told me the hit song she did with Till Tuesday, Voices Carry, was about me, which was very flattering. To which <laughs> Amy Mann said... <laughs> No More Crying is about Al Jorgensen and nothing else on the album is, which made me go look up the song No More Crying. And let me just read you the lyrics of No More Crying. (laughs) There is no love here. There is no love. Only some sort of blackmail. Whatever you feel probably only comes down to male and female. No More Crying. (laughs) Which which I thought was pretty harsh. She's a big fan of Al. Harsh. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I love he that's thought harder that than hit. anything ministry's gonna put yeah. out. <laughs> I, love he, I love that he thought the hit was about him. <laughs> well, dude, dudes are gonna think that way, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I follow Amy's Instagram, and uh, I recommend everybody. She she draws comic strips about her life, and there's always you know just all the humor and all the irony of her music she brings in you know to everything. She 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 posted a picture of a bank statement. She's like. Here's a bank statement that I found from 1985 when my band had a top 10 song and she had $300 in her savings account. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I would so. think back then that having a hit song, I would think now people would be like, my song has 50 million streams and I got 400 bucks in the bank. But I would, I would think back then that if you had a hit that you'd be loaded. But I think I'm I'm wrong. Rick, your company takes everything. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I think you need more than one. Yeah. <laughs> or I think the other problem is that you know I think of a group like SR seventy one who like was a one hit wonder in the nineties, but that song has appeared in so many movies and TV shows that I'm sure that it's more than made up for like even if they signed a bad contract at that point. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but Voices Carry, I don't even think showed up in a lot of 
other media that much. Like it it seems like it's very much a a song from the 80s that kind of lived in the 80s. Now if they use it in this final se- season of Stranger Things, who knows? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe they will. And I'll be very very good for our podcast if that's the yeah. case. Yeah. yeah, let's let's both do the Thunder Blunder and then before we bounce we got to talk about this, talking about a- Amy Mann's cartoons. We got to talk about an animated music video from our guests here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we could cool. start with, is Till Tuesday, did they bring the one-hit thunder or were they a one-hit blunder? Daniel, I think I know where we're going on for you on this one. Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> thunder. Yeah. And their whole catalog was, was really was really great. You know, they just, uh, I wish things had worked out better for them. Yeah. The, I, I'm, mm. I mean, I'm going with thunder as well. Like, while I think that there are definitely standout tracks, there, I listened to probably two hours of Till Tuesday preparing for this episode, and I didn't hear a bad song mm-hmm. in those two hours. And I'm assuming you're going to be the same, Chris, because you picked a non, you picked a non voices carry song to add on your. I did your favorite songs list. I feel yeah. like that's an automatic thunder. Yeah. <laughs> what about love? It won me over. I actually texted that music video to my text thread with my friends like hey check this out this is really good i mean should have been a hit should have been a hit that's the highest you know? praise i can give it's it a wonderful song and yeah. obviously this launched the career of a beloved solo artist so who am i to call it a blunder it is definitely yeah. a thunder <laughs> absolutely but daniel you've got you know you do i know you for comics and san mm-hmm. diego comic-con but you're mm-hmm. also a musician you have a new music video did you draw this video Oh no, I, I don't draw uh, okay. honestly. Yeah, okay. I, um, when it comes to the comics, I'm a I'm a writer, That's and right. so okay. like yeah, most of my uh, most of the what I've did was uh, like the stuff I did with Image was drawn by Anthony Dietschidue, and I'm sure you've met Anthony. Yeah. Um, I did another book called Bloodworth, and Chris Finolio drew that, and I worked with Dave Lantfear. Yeah, so I don't I don't draw, but um, I uh, do visualize like uh, you know I I like do, making collage art with photographs. I'm, you know, a bit of a photographer. I like doing the Photoshop thing. And then I got into like, you know, the, the AI stuff with mid journey and all this. And a lot of people don't like that, but I use, I like to use the AI stuff as a middle point uh, of a process, you know? So like everything I created. So the song that I, that I released is called lift me up and it's available on Spotify and all the, all the platforms right now. And I made a video to it. And uh, the song is kind of a rootsy, almost gospel-y type song with acoustic guitar and piano and, me singing and my good friend Alex Khalees singing it and Alex and um, Dennis Morehouse produced it. And uh, it's a very stripped down kind of acoustic Americana song. But um, I, I have this thing in my head I call Cyber Americana. And I, I like to take <laughs> things to the uh, cyberpunk place. So I, I'm like, I'm going to create a cyberpunk um, music video to go with my rootsy Americana song because nobody's paying me to do this and nobody asked for it and it's not coming out of their tax dollars. So I'm going to do what I want. So yeah, what I did, I took pictures of my guitars, uh, downtown LA, our trip to Tokyo, um, macro shots of old antique documents, all this weird stuff that I do for my map of the world project, which you can find on Instagram. And, um, I created, I mashed everything up and created these sci-fi like images and I put them through mid journey to finesse them. And then I, uh, edited them more heavily in Photoshop. And then I went into Kyber and stable diffusion and, and, uh, you know, you're able to kind of create these chaotic animations, but also kind of direct like what happens and direct the camera movements and stuff like that. Anyways, I did that about, I spent about eight months. I created over a thousand images. I was like 200 shots for this, uh, or something for this video. 
and it was very meticulous. And that, that's basically how I did it. And I, you know, I, I edited did everything together in Premiere and After Effects and all that. So a lot of traditional tools with the new tools. My friend Chris, Chris Gregson filmed me for the parts where I appear. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I want to give everybody credit who worked on it. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's animation, uh, of a sort, but you know, yeah, it's a combination of Adobe suite and a lot of sweat there and then using AI tools and trying to keep that under control and, and make it work right. And, uh, yeah, it was almost a year from recording the song to creating the video and finishing the video was about a year. Damn. Um, and, uh, <laughs> We had our theatrical premiere at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood nice. at the Silicon Beach Film Festival, and I won, Hell and I got yeah. to go up and sing my acceptance speech like a boss. <laughs> nice. Congrats, man. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hell it was, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a good year. Uh, it's been a good year. Some nice things have happened. So Nice, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, listeners, you'll get to hear a little bit of that song right now on the outro. Lift me up when I'm falling. Lift me up and let me see. Reach out, pull me from down under. I'm so blind. I want to be free. I've been reeling. I've been falling. I've been thrashing in this heat. I've been locked out, out in downtown. I've been left out in the street. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band Punchline and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Lift Me Up from this week's guest, Daniel Corey. Check out the music video for the song using the link in our show notes. Be sure to check out punchline.com for any upcoming news about the band. Our podcast is on Patreon now. Find us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and a chance to vote for future songs that we cover. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Beast inside of me, I've been busting out at the speed of light, out of time and I'm out of sight. Turn around quickly, you can see my trail, I'll conquer this, we will prevail. Lift me up. When I'm falling, lift me up and let me see Reach out, pull me from down under I'm so blind, I wanna be free Lift me up when I'm falling Lift me up and let me see Reach out, pull me from down under You're listening to the Geekscape Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. 
Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform.